Welcome to Lung Cancer Considered, the podcast of the International Association for the Study of Lung Cancer, a global organization dedicated to research and practice advances in thoracic oncology. You can find all our podcasts on SoundCloud and at IASLC.org in the newsroom. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Liu. This is Lung Cancer Considered. I'm your host, Dr. Stephen Liu, Associate Professor at Georgetown University. Today, I have the distinct honor of being joined by the eminent and one of the most prolific lung cancer researchers today, Dr. Myungju An. She is a professor in the Department of Hematology Oncology at Samsung Medical Center, Sungkyun Kwan University School of Medicine in Seoul, South Korea. You will recognize Dr. An from her role in dozens of pivotal targeted therapy trials in lung cancer and as a thoughtful and balanced discussant at many of our major meetings, including the World Conference on Lung Cancer. While she has global expertise in EGFR and ALK-positive lung cancer, today our focus is on a less common but very important molecular subtype, and that's ROS1-positive lung cancer. Myungju, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you, Stephen, uh, for inviting me to this podcast. My name is Myungju. I'm from Samsung Medical Center. Hello, everybody. Yangju, can you tell us a little about ROS1 and lung cancer? Maybe about the incidence and, and the general phenotype of this subtype? Yes. The ROS1 rearrangement is found in 1% to 2% of patients with non-smokers lung cancer, especially in light or never smokers, young age, and adenocarcinoma. Around 20 to 30% have a brain mass at baseline. The ROS1 is the member of the engineer receptor family, of receptor titration kinase. And so the RAS1 fusion leads to the activation of downstream signaling pathway through PI3 kinase, AKT mTOR, and the RAS, RAF, MEG, and ERK pathway. RAS1 has several different fusion partners, and the CD74 is the most common partner. So given their oncogenic driver of RAS1 and available targeted agent, now the NCCN guideline recommends RAS1 testing in all patients with non-smoke lung cancer. Now, the first drug approved to specifically treat RAS1 was the very versatile kinase inhibitor, crizotinib. Can you remind us what kind of results do we expect with crizotinib in RAS1-positive lung cancer? Where the RAS1 and ARC shared 49% of amino acid sequence in kinase domain and 77% of ATP binding sites. So the, given the homology, we can expect that the ARC inhibitor has the similar activity in the RAS1 fusion too. So previously in phase one study, profile 001, the crizotinib showed 72% of response rate and 19 months of the PFS, and recently a long-term five-year follow-up showed that the median of survival is 51 months, which is quite promising. And later on, several other studies with crizotinib conducted in Europe and Asia demonstrated quite a similar result. However, as we all know that the crizotinib has limited the CNS penetration so up to half of the patient to develop disease progression in the brain. You brought up uh, some very key points there. And the homology between ALK and ROS is a, a very fortunate coincidence. But uh, as I remind all, all of my trainees, while there are many ALK inhibitors that are also ROS inhibitors, not all ALK inhibitors are ROS inhibitors, correct? 
Yes. Yeah. So, so they're different, right? And trectinib is a drug that was recently approved for ROS1 lung cancer. Can you tell us about that drug and maybe compare or contrast these two agents? All right. Um, Antrectinib is a multi-kinase inhibitor against ARC, ROS1, and TREC, and very potent against the ROS1, and also has good sinus penetration. So the phase two study showed the 78% of response rate in 19 months of a PFS, and the most importantly, the intracranial response is 55%, suggesting high CNS activity. So when it compared to the crizotinib, entrectinib has a high CNS activity and less side effects. Myungju, is this uh, drug available in Korea in your own practice? Not right now. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's been processing for the uh, approval. But it is a uh, approved uh, uh, orphan drug, but it's not available right now. Not available yet, but but soon. And in your patients with advanced metastatic non-small cell lung cancer, let's say you you test and you find a ROS1 fusion, are you comfortable using these targeted drugs as part of frontline therapy? Of course, because even the crizotinib, the response is 72% and median PFS 19 tumors. And this is the oral drug compared to chemotherapy. We have a very long duration of response and respond the dramatic, uh, robust uh, initial response. So we don't have to you know, choose the chemotherapy as a front line. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I really think targeted therapy is the way to go right from the beginning. These drugs have pretty dynamic responses. Do we know anything about resistance to these ROS1 kinase inhibitors? Yes, uh, the similar to the ARCL TKIs, most of the patients treated with the ROS1 TKI develop re- acquired resistance. So most common resistance mechanism is acquisition of a secondary ROS1 mutation, especially ROS-G2032R, followed by D2033N and others. However, the neither serotonin nor antrectinib can overcome this resistant mechanism. And also the Rasson independent resistant mechanism includes the activation of alternative or bypass signaling pathway. And finally, uh, CNS progression is another common site of progression, as I mentioned before. Are there newer drugs under investigation that can help overcome that resistance? Yes, recently, to overcome uh, this registered mutation, several new Rasson inhibitors have been developed. First, the Rolatinib is a TKI against Rasson and ARC with a high potency against Rasson and also good CNS penetration. And the, the, the Rolatinib had a preclinical activity against the most known registered mutation, however, minimal activity against the G2032R. The phase two study showed a 61.5% of response rate and the 21 months of PFS in crizotinib naive patient. In contrast, 26% of response rate and 8.5 months of PFS in crizotinib treated patient and also intracranial response rate 56%, but it's not approved yet. Repetractinib, is another multi-kinase inhibitor against ROS1, ARC, and TRAC, 
and is designed specifically to overcome gatekeepers of the front register and the mutation G2032R. In phase one, those escalation study, the response rate is 82% with 100% intracranial response in 11 PKI9, uh, the Rason patient, even though the small number is quite promising. In contrast, 39% of response rates and 75% of intracranial response in pretreated Rason patient. Interestingly, all four patients who have evidence of G2032R in a tumor or liquid biopsy had some degree of tumor regression, suggesting uh, the quite encouraging data. Now, have you had personal experience using lorlatinib for either ALK or ROS1? Yes, uh, we actually published using the rolatinib data, and the patient were treated as a compensate treatment. And we found that the, uh, the rolatinib showed quite a good response around 60%. Uh, even the crizotinib failed patient, which is quite uh, promising. But the, we have only a small experience with the repotractinib as uh, uh, the clinical trial. And uh, back to the lorlatinib, uh, can you comment a little on tolerability? Just in your own personal experience, you know, we've seen the published toxicities, some cognitive side effects, cholesterol. In your opinion, how hard is this drug to, to take and to give? Well, actually, we have a more the experience with uh, lorlatinib in alcohol-positive patients. And actually, the, the drug is uh, only single agent, 100 milligram pure daily, and a patient quite tolerable, even though the hypercholesterolemia, hypercholesterolemia is one of the most common side effects, but it doesn't affect the, the dose reduction or discontinuation. We just give the statin. And also it has been reported that uh, quite a lot of patients might have the cognitive dysfunction, but in my experience, I have, fortunately, I have a very little experience with that kind of neurologic complication. So I am very comfortable uh, with lorlatinib treatment. That's, that's really good to hear, Nangju. Now, you, you mentioned a couple solvent front mutations, and we know this is a pattern in a lot of our targeted agents where modification at the solvent front really interferes with the binding site. We're now moving on to newer drugs. You mentioned repatrectinib or TPX005. That's a drug that in the U.S. does have fast-track designation uh, by the, the FDA. Are you testing for resistance mutations after patients progress on frontline therapy? Yes, uh, only uh, research-based it because the drug was not available uh, so far. Even the lorlatinib is not approved in pretreated Rason patient, only approved in alcohol patient. So uh, the, I tried to re repeat the biopsy for patients who, who failed uh, first or second generation, uh, the ARP-TKI, but not the Rason so far. Hmm. Now, we run lung cancer clinics, I'm sure in Korea, as it is in the U.S., immunotherapy really has, has taken the world by storm. Does immunotherapy play any role in the treatment of ROS1-positive lung cancer? Yes. Uh, 
The growing evidence suggests that the non-smoker lung cancer with oncogenic driver had less activity with immune checkpoint inhibitor except RAS and BRAP. So the immunotarget study from Europe to investigate the role of immune checkpoint inhibitor in variable oncogenic driver non-smoker lung cancer demonstrated that the response rate of immune checkpoint inhibitor is only 15% in RAS1 rearranged non-smoker lung cancer. So far, so it seems that uh, there is a very limited role of immune checkpoint inhibitor in RAS1 non-smoker lung cancer. However, I think further research is required to overcome suppressive tumor microenvironment related to oncogenic driver non-smoker lung cancer, including uh, RAS1 fusion in the near future. I think that's really well put, Youngju. I mean, the, the microenvironment is, is something we really need to look at. And, you know, with immunotherapy, the appeal is that durability. It's not something we always get with TKIs. But I think you'll agree that while we might consider immunotherapy, especially if it's on a clinical trial, it would not be our first treatment. Really, we would we would start with the TKI and the sequence really does matter, right? Yeah, that's right. But now, uh, yes, so with that in mind, you know, it's clear that this subtype needs to be treated differently from other subtypes of lung cancer from the beginning. But in order to treat ROS1 positive lung cancer properly, we need to first identify the fusion. So can you talk to us about the importance of molecular testing in general, but, but maybe share specifically, what does molecular testing look like in South Korea? Well, the situation is a little different because the the, the creatinine study, the OxOncor study, was uh, the, conducted in Asia, including Korea, Japan, and China. So the, they used the uh, the RT PCR for the for the RAS one test. So the, accordingly, the the, the regulatory authority uh, had the the companion diagnostic for the RAS one testing by the RT-PCR, not the RAS1 fish or the NGS or the immunohistochemistry. However, it's a case by case. If the patient has the RAS1 fusion by next generation sequencing, the, the drug is reimbursed anyway. So, but in, in, in our institute and in many of the center in Korea, uh, we usually uh, routinely check the RAS1 fusion by um, the RT-PCR, AMOI, yeah, AMOI test, which is a little, yeah, which is different from other country, that the RAS1 uh, fish or NGS is the routine test. Is next-gen sequencing done frequently in South Korea? Yes, actually, the we are very lucky that uh, NGS uh, is reimbursed and that the patient uh, pay uh, half of the, 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 the cost uh, however, the incidence of the other oncogenic drivers, except EGFR, ARC, RAS1, the drug is not available in most of them. So the, we use, we test uh, EGFR, ARC, RAS1, BRAF, mostly only three tests first. And then sequentially, if there is no uh, mutation, and then uh, we do the NGS. There is a a sequential approach in most of the institute in Korea. So a sequential approach, but NGS is available and reimbursed the patients. Uh, however, not all the drugs are available. What about the, the current state of liquid biopsy in South Korea? 
Uh, Rikitu pipes is also um, approved but not reimbursed. Uh, still, uh, the using of the Rikitu pipes is not uh, common because of the high cost. So, yeah. Mm. Youngju, this has been really helpful. Thank, thank you for sharing all of your expertise. Uh, I, I could go on forever, but uh, if I could digress a little, you know, you've had such a, a storied career already. Uh, can you share with us maybe a bit about your own career path and maybe tell us how you chose to focus on the treatment of lung cancer? Well, um, before I moved to the Sangta Medical Center, I was working at Hanyang University Hospital when I graduated from. At the time in Korea, the medical oncologists were not specialized to specific disease area because of a relatively short history of medical oncology. And as you know, we have, at the time, we have only a handful of chemotherapy agents to cover all different kinds of solid tumors. But when I moved to the Sumter Medical Center back in 2006, uh, Samsung Medical Center established the Comprehensive Cancer Center, which is committed to take good care of the only cancer patient for the first time in Korea. So I had to choose a specialized area of medical oncology. So during the time, I was served as a Secretary General of a Lung Cancer Committee of a Korean Cancer Study Group for many years, and I had an opportunity to get involved in many lung cancer research. And also, uh, Professor Park, who is my boss, also recommends. So I choose the lung cancer. And since the EGFR-TKI was introduced in the treatment of lung cancer, where the EGFR mutation is very high in Asia, I was so exciting to study lung cancer and uh, treat the patient. And actually, uh, at the time, nobody knows how tremendous improvement of understanding of lung cancer biology and treatment were made during the last 20 years. So now I'm so happy to choose the lung cancer uh, research and to focus on the lung cancer research and uh, treat the patient. Well, I, I think that a lot of those advances we've seen, you, you've played a direct hand in, Myungju. And, and so uh, maybe before we go, do you have any advice for trainees that might be listening that are interested in, in a career investigating lung cancer either specific to South Korea or, or just in general, any barriers that, that you might anticipate? Well, I think, uh, as I mentioned earlier, tremendous advances in science, especially lung cancer biology and treatment has been made during the last two decades. So I think the young medical oncologists should study not only clinical research, but also basic or the translational research to better understand the biology and to take good care of lung cancer patients. I think we need more smart uh, physician scientists. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, IASRC provides many uh, excellent fellowship education programs, so I encourage the young doctors to actively participate in those programs. That's great advice, Myungju. Um, you know, wrapping up this episode, I really want to thank you, Myungju, for your time, your insights, and of course, for all the impactful work that you're doing. Uh, as always, I'd like to thank the audience for listening. Uh, don't forget to like the podcast, to share it with your colleagues and friends. Stay safe and be well. I'd like to thank everyone for joining this meeting. 
and I hope all of you keep safe and healthy in COVID-19 pandemic. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening to Lung Cancer Considered. You can find all our podcasts on our website, www.iaslc.org, in our newsroom or on SoundCloud. Please take a moment to rank, like, and share your favorite episodes with your colleagues. 